is Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's get this hour going. Happy Friday, happy December. It's December 1, and we're underway on Flames Talk this hour. Hopefully you're doing all right on this Friday, and we know how it goes on a Friday. It's time for the Eric Francis Hour. Sportsnet's Eric Francis joins us now. The Eric Francis Hour brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has an $83 million positive economic impact in Calgary annually. Visit thehorses.com, 18+. plus. Please play responsibly. The Eric Francis Hour on Flames Talks available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's say hello to Sportsnet's Eric Francis right now. Hello, franchise. was it? There you are. You got me? Got you. There you are. Loud and clear. That was a quiet quiet week we had. Yeah, you know what? Especially the last two days, if they could have just given us something to talk about, you know? Maybe an overtime win. If they could have given us one of an overtime win, a trade, or a feel-good story, it would have been nice. They didn't give us any. You know, even if they didn't make the trade, the way they're playing right now, like... I don't know if this is a little dramatic, but it feels like there's something awfully special going on with this team right now. Like with the way they've ran, the way they've been playing the last 12, 13 games, like coming off a six game losing skid that had everybody thinking, okay, they're going to have to blow this thing up. Everything, you know, got, you know, there were secret, there were meetings to have, keep everything in, in house. It, it didn't look good. It didn't look good, especially after what we saw last year. And and for them to come back and do what they're doing now, especially get the against the opponents they're do, they're playing against right now, uh, like I, I I think it speaks volumes of the character in that room. I really do. I, I think I think the coach deserves a ton of credit. I think the the captain deserves a ton of credit. But as a whole, they deserve a lot of credit because I think the way it was trending. I think it would have been easy to do what Nikita Zadorov did, which is just basically bail and say, I want out, which is the easy way out. And uh, he's the only one who did it. The other guys may be feeling it, or they maybe were feeling it, but he's the only, only one who did it. So, And, you know, he did it under the, under the auspices that he wanted more ice time. But I also thought that it was the timing was pretty pretty obvious to me that it was also because everything was going sideways with the organization at the same time. So, uh, anyway, good luck to him and boy, won't that be an exciting game tomorrow? Why? What's tomorrow? Who are they playing? I got to look it up. <laughs> I got to look it up, but I, it, it wasn't lost on me. As soon as I saw the trade, I thought, Oh my God, are you kidding me? I did. It didn't click for me until, Oh, it didn't. Um, oh, well, I saw it. I, of. I saw it. And then Logan, uh, immediately texted me. He's like, don't they play the Canucks on Saturday? I'm like, Oh yeah, they do. I was so dialed on. I had done all this prep for my show, Francis. I was all ready to talk about how much they've played from behind and how much they have not played with the lead. And then literally at 4.03, as our show's starting on Thursday, um, I lit all of my preparation for Thursday's show on fire because all we talked about the rest of the way was the Zadorov trade. So, um, yeah, yeah it, it it's like that. that is – that's an – unbelievable coincidence that this happens before they play the Canucks and that Nikita couldn't get to Vancouver in time. He hasn't even been with his teammates yet. They played Thursday uh, at home to Vegas. They didn't practice today on Friday, Mm -hmm. so they're flying today to Calgary. So I guess you'll meet them tonight and then uh, won't won't be on the ice with them until Saturday's morning skate at 1130 at the Dome. Like, 
craziness of the first time he'll be on the ice with his new teammates is at the building he's called home for the last two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just part of the – we've had so many incredible storylines, uh, good and bad, for the Calgary Flames all season long. And we're only, what, 23 games in. It's been It's been entertaining. And I think that was the biggest fear early on, especially when they were losing those games, all those games in a row. Uh, the number one thing I heard from my friends was, you know, it's the, there's they're, they're painful to watch. There's no entertainment value there. Uh, well, they've quickly turned that around too, because now that those last two games, uh, if you paid your money and you went to the dome and you felt like you got ripped off, I I, I don't know what you saw, <laughs> because you must have been cheering for the other team. Because just in terms of pure entertainment. Uh, the drama that's been unfolding at the dome the last two games has been spectacular. Yep. And it's uh, anyway, let's, let's get right into, because I, I, I'm still surprised. I understand the sticker shock. I understand people somehow were delusional enough to think this guy was getting a first rounder. Second rounder, I wouldn't call delusional, but first rounder was something that a lot of so people... So you're on you're went, on my page. You're, you're on. I, I didn't know if you're, we were going to be on the same page, but I think you're going down the, the road that we are. Yeah, and I, I, I don't understand why there are people out there who would suggest that the Flames, or because he's a rookie GM, or any GM, would take anything but the best deal possible. And the fact that he made the trade with Vancouver proves... Because that's not easy to do, right? Because they're in the division. And remember when Conroy played, that was their number one rival. Forget yep. about Edmonton. Vancouver was the most hated team. I mean, I had a, a long talk about that on the road, on this last road trip, funny enough. So when he made this trade, I was chuckling to myself. But but why would anyone think that there was a better deal out there? Like, I, I, I just don't understand the mentality of someone text, to think. I had texts on Thursday saying... Why didn't he take the Toronto deal where they were offering a first and uh, and and Nick Robertson? I was like, what yeah, are you talking about? Like, do you everybody. really think that an NHL GM would say, you know what, I'm going to take the third and the fifth? Screw the the prospect in the first. I think the third and the fifth is good. Like, what? Do do we really think that lowly of of a gentleman who is uh, in charge of an NHL team and is working closely with a whole bunch of other? you know, pretty good minds in that front office. It's not like Craig's doing this by himself, right? So I, he's he's canvassed the league. That was the value for Nikita Zadorov. People in Calgary don't have to like it, but don't take it out on the GM or the Flames or say that he got fleeced or that he's a rookie who just got totally taken. So you've to seen a lot of that too, hey? Well, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't look at the social media too much, but I, I do hear from like, like my, my son, he's 13. He just came just 10 minutes ago said, Dad, they got fleeced for Zadorov. And I'm like, oh, my God, son. Like, read my column, and it'll explain why that's not the case at all. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it was an overwhelming win for the Calgary Flames right? or, or, or a treasure trove of, of ret- on the return. I'm just telling you that was market value. Like, I don't know why. Now, I do hear people who say, well, if you waited longer, and you got close to the trade deadline, then you might have got more. Might have got more. Remember those words. Might have got more. Zadorov might have gotten injured. Um, and and, and that, that could ruin all of this. Also, don't forget that he was the one who wanted out, and yep. he did so in a very... Public. Uh, you know, in a... I don't want to say unprofessional, but... It wasn't it wasn't above board the way his agent and him did it. I, I bet if he if he gave him some truth serum, Zadorov would admit that that was that wasn't cool the way it all went down. Um, 
but but it's it's a case of and and you tell me if you think i'm wrong because if we are on the same page on this you'll mm-hmm. agree i mean people so often you, you know they fall hey it's it's part of being a fan you fall in love with your guys you love zadorov earlier this year when he was outspoken on the ukraine issue you loved him when he was outspoken on, you know, talking about Daryl Sutter and there's no excuse anymore and guys need to be pulling in the right direction. People were suddenly like, man, I love this guy. He's my favorite flame. Mm-hmm. And then you factor that factor in the fact that he's one of the only guys on the team that can fight. He's one of the only big hitters on the team. And you just love this guy. And suddenly you get delusional and you think he's worth a first rounder uh, in December to as a pure rental. You acquired him as a third rounder as a, with RFA control. He's he might be a better player than he was three years ago. I, I I'll say that. Like I think Daryl Sutter and and Huska and those guys made him a better defenseman. Mm-hmm. But but you know he's still a, worth a third round pick. They got a fifth rounder as well, and uh, and so much more they got. So anyway, I'll let you respond to that, and then we'll get into why I think there's so many other things that they acquired that yeah. no one talks about. Well, I'm, I I feel like you're listening to Flames talk on Thursday. It it literally like it it and I'm not. I'm not accusing you of such. I'm just um, uh, well, <laughs> That's quite an accusation. Who would ever listen? Um, yeah. Like, what idiot would do that? No, I just it like it, it really does feel like we're singing from identical hymn books here. Because my response would be, yeah, I, I first of all, and and the one thing that I think is also really important in this because I I pretty much agree with everything that you said. Yeah, this this fan account on Instagram and that fan account on Twitter and that that person in the media and that fan over there, none of those things set the market for a player. The 31 other general managers set the market for a player. So I can, I can go on flames talk and say, I think Zadorov's worth this and this, but if that's not what he's worth to the other 31 general managers, then it doesn't matter. Like Patrick Galvin is not tuning into flames talk saying, Oh, here's Steinberg. Steinberg said that they think he thinks they can get two firsts for Zadorov. I better I better call Conroy and offer two firsts because I really want this guy. Like, no, they set the market. The, the league sets the market. So all of these talks about what a guy could be worth, you know, I had a bunch of calls on Thursday night. I'm, I'm looking right at you, George. He's like, oh, this just proves again that Craig Conroy can't get the best value for his team. George, yeah. respectfully, what the hell are you talking about? How do you know? And so, yeah, that that is that is very much, I think, what you said is bang on. And here's the other thing that I think is really important. Not only is Nikita the one who asked out, but I also think it turned into a situation. I don't think that they were having fist fights in the locker room. I don't think it turned into a situation that was, you know, it was so poor that it couldn't be overcome. Well, no, they had a really good month in November and a good chunk of that this trade request was part of it. But I do think it ruffled feathers. I do think Nikita had become uncomfortable in that room because of it. It did change the dynamic of that locker room. And I think that this group with Michael Backlund as captain is very, very adamant that they want a good culture and they want a good dynamic. So if something has thrown a wrench into that, and I'm not trying to throw shade at Nikita at all. I don't think he was a distraction. I don't think he went about his business any differently. I don't think that he was uh, a bad dude, but a public trade request like that after some very public comments that that have the national hockey world looking at the flames they want less noise they want less distraction they want to focus just on hockey so when the the mix of the locker room gets thrown off a little bit i think it was important for craig conroy 
not to wait until the trade deadline and to expedite this. So that is the other thing that I'll add on to it as to why waiting to see if you could get a second-round pick and a fifth-round pick or a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick in three months' time just wasn't the smartest way to go about it. They they needed no. to get a good return and do this in an expedited fashion, and so you needed to find a happy medium there, and I, I, I think they did. There was a fine line, too. You used the word expedited, and I, I wouldn't use that word uh, because I would say that this was all a careful balancing act between you can't react right away and trade mm-hmm. this guy two days later because then he wins and you look like a weak GM and everybody's looking at you for every move you make. And I think I think that he hit the, you know right around the sweet spot. Like You had to say, look, we'll trade you when we get around to it, when it works for us. Uh, in the meantime, you're looking you know, looking very hard at what all the options are. You had to make him wait for two or three weeks, in my opinion, to, to let him know, look, you're not running the show. Yep. I'm running the show. So this was a, a good time, as good time as any. Um, you know, it's co- we're, it, I do believe it's coincidental that Shillington showed up today, no doubt in my mind. Oh, I can, uh, and boy, Francis, I can, I can confirm that it is no, 100% I know it is. unrelated. I, yeah. No, I know. But, I, you know, it's, it seems fortuitous, and it's like, you know, we'll talk about the depth on this blue line moving forward here in a little bit. But I, I just, you know, this whole, the narrative, it, it, oh, and go back to what you said. The, he, he was not popular in that room for what he'd said and the outspokenness. Everyone's just kind of like, hey, hey, sit down and shut up. Could you keep it the in attitude. the room? Like, uh, we, yeah. we have enough. Talking to players. We have enough noise. We don't need self-inflicted distractions, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Let's keep this stuff in-house and... We know you like the spotlight, Nikita, and you like to dress all flashy, and you you know that we know who you are and what you are, and we love you for that. They, he was a good soldier here for a lot of years. Don't get me wrong, um, but that ruffled that just rubbed guys the wrong way. It's like, oh man, I guess you're not with us, and the way you did it too is just not the right way to do it. Okay, well, we've written you off in a lot of ways. Uh, in the meantime, I still thought he was a good player, and hey, at the end of the day, I'm still going to say the same thing I said about Nikita Zadorov when they acquired him. He's an adventure out there defensively. He had 14 goals last year. That's incredible. Uh, he's a big hitter. He brings something that, like, the Vancouver Canucks are getting an awesome addition yeah, to their agreed. blue line. No question about He'll it. He'll be a really good but, fit there, too. But as people, you know, still go back to this first or second round business, you know, just keep an eye on the giveaways that he's capable of every <laughs> once in a while, too, right? I mean, everyone is, but, you know, he's he's kind of known for it. So, um, yeah, it's a, the, the Flames move on. and uh, And I don't think that this means they're about to kickstart a big fire sale. Like I, I very much think that the only reason this trade happened right now is because of the trade request yeah, yeah. and the time that they needed to wait to make that happen. Now it's happened. Now I, want, they, I think they want to get back to doing what they've been doing for the last 10, 12 games, which is let's see what we have here. Yep. Let's get till Christmas, see where we are before we're making any decisions on contracts, UFAs, trades. trades. And, and I think, I think you've got to at least Christmas, if not mid January before they really start to entertain uh, you know, what they're going to do with these other three UFAs and other players. But also, you know, I think that this trade also sends a message. And I, I know from talking to people inside the organization, I think they wanted this to also send a message. Hey, we're open for business. Like anybody want to make an offer for any player that we have, um, we're, we're here listening. And, and I think that this also triggers that as well. I want to go back to um, something that you said a little earlier. It's the Francis Hour. Eric Francis of Sportsnet with us. Pat Steinberg on this hour of Flames Talk. Um, the the other 
facets of this deal that I think are really important when talking about the value too. They got a third round pick, they got a fifth round pick, and two other really important things. Um, and number one is they retain zero dollars. So as of today, this Friday, they are accruing cap space on a daily basis for the first time this season. So that is big news that they are, they're still in LTIR, but they are out of LTIR at the same time. It's a very complicated situation, but they're accruing cap space again, which they'll be able to bank up until the trade deadline. Uh, So that is good news. So they have cleared $3.75 million in its entirety on the cap, which when Rooney and Peltier are ready to return is going to go a long way for their flexibility between now and the rest of the season, their flexibility in terms of making trades and bringing back other contracts, depending on what happens with their other UFAs. And Francis, they also kept all three of their retention spots in that if they do end up trading other players, whether it's the three UFAs that we have the spotlight on or other guys, depending on how the season goes and another team is very adamant. Like right now, there's a lot of talk about Toronto wanting Tanev, right? Well, if Mm -hmm. Toronto wants Tanev, Calgary's going to have to retain. And you only get three retention slots in a season. They didn't use one on Zadorov, so now they still have three open as they go towards the trade deadline, which I think is a huge asset to have as well. So those two things, I think, need to be put into the conversation when talking about the overall return for Zadorov. I'll put a third one in there is that uh, it allows them to call someone up who they very much wanted to take a longer look at. And that's not just Solovyov, but when Jeremy Poirier is healthy, you're going to see him up here. uh, I'm not going to say right away because he's going to have to get his legs back and, and, you know, get back into form in the AHL. But they are so excited about this guy. And this guy will be, in my opinion, a a full-time NHLer next year with the Calgary Flames, if not finishing the season this year, depending on how the season goes with the Calgary Flames, you know, the depth now on this blue line, you know, and I know that it, it looks like they may lose two significant defensemen moving forward. They may, we're going to have that discussion later, but you know, D Simone has looked good this year. He's serviceable. Dennis Gilbert is, is, you know, people really like him as a, as an option and certainly for his toughness as well. Osterley's, you know, fit in well, had a pretty good game last night. And mm-hmm. now the Shillington development gets people excited. You know, we all have to pump the brakes of course, and, and see how this goes. But uh, that, that's a positive day today for, for him, I would think, and for everybody. Uh, we're all just rooting for this guy as a human being. But it allows the more uh, more eyes on these guys. And this goes back to why, I don't know, if you are someone who wants this team to rebuild or wants this, who, who is looking very much long-term, like I've had enough of this kind of core, I don't think this team's good enough, but I want to move forward and see the retooling start. Um, I don't know how you could criticize this deal because it allows the Flames to look at yet another body who could potentially be as exciting as a Connor Zary or a Martin Pospisil. And and look what that's done for this organization. Like you talk to veterans, they credit those two guys mm-hmm. for helping to turn this thing around. So if you want this team to rebuild, retool, you can't possibly sit there and look at that trade and think it's anything but a good deal. Now, I'm not going to say a, a home run. It's a good deal. And it's the best deal that they could have possibly made. So, And... The last thing I'll say about it is this really just sets them up for bigger payoffs down the road because of those three cap retention slots. You're not going to affect significant change on a team by trading a fifth defenseman on your team. That just doesn't happen. You can affect change, though, on your team by trading an Elias Lindholm or a Noah Hannafin. Those are guys who are going to get you some real assets. Now we're talking legitimate first-round returns and plus, plus, plus. 
And when you can retain salary, which is the only way you're going to make any deal with any of the front runners in the National Hockey League, that gives you another leg up to even increase the return on your investment. So this whole deal is just setting up for the much bigger deal or deals that we know are coming in February or March. Yeah, it's um, and, and I asked Craig on Thursday. I said, you know, does this does this affect or or impact your approach with your? I other asked him the same UFAs? thing. And yeah. did, what did he say to, say to you? We every deal is done <laughs> on its own merit. It yeah. doesn't affect anybody else. We'll do what's best for our team. Yep. You know, I wouldn't expect him to say, "Oh yeah, no, now we're really close to trading Tanev." Or, <laughs> or no, he's never going to show his cards like that. But I, I do think, and and again. I honestly don't believe that Craig Conroy has 100% made up his mind or, or even knows the fate of all three of those guys. I really don't. I think so much will be determined over the next month, month and a half. Not just in terms of how the team plays and how those guys play, but also how those guys feel about their future in Calgary and their potential, to their willingness to maybe sign. There, there's so many things that I still think we have a long way to go before their their outcomes are determined. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. Um, and, and I think that's fair. Like uh, the team, as you said off the top, I uh, I think the team deserves a lot of credit for how they've turned this thing around. What's going to be, and I asked a couple players uh, at, at uh, the Dome about this on Friday. Now the important thing is, you and I have covered this team a lot. We've seen bad starts that have turned into big turnarounds, and then that turnaround fades out. Now it's yep. on the Flames to keep this going. You know, they need to continue playing at above 600 on their points percentage. That's kind of what we expected this team to be coming into the season, and that'll get you into the playoffs probably. Now the good news is is that a lot of times the bad start is October and November into December, and then the turnaround starts. This was just October, and then they rectified it with a good November. So I don't know if they expended as much emotional equity as sometimes we've seen in the past. But and that's that next step is is being able to build. But if I'm if I'm hockey ops, if I'm Conroy and that crew that you mentioned, I'm saying to myself, all right, we traded Zadorov because we had to trade Zadorov. Um, and now we're going to give an opportunity to Solovyov to start and see how it all plays out. And I'm still pretty happy with what I've seen. I mean, they played. Did you did the Flames miss Sidorov against Dallas? Probably not. They played really well against the Stars, won that hockey game. And and so I think you're continuing to look at what you've got. And you know that you had a poor October where things look bleak. Now you had a really good November where things look pretty promising. So let's see what December and into January proves because now you're talking about 30, 40 games under your belt where you can really start to get an entire overview of your group and then you can start to make some decisions. Maybe re-signing Hannafin's back on the table because we think this team can be a pretty solid team or maybe it's proven that, okay, it's it's not awful, but it's a middle-of-the-road team, so we have to go down the road of not retaining our, our UFAs. I, I'm with you completely. I think it needs to be more of a kind of a bird's-eye view for the next little bit. You know, I don't know if we want to get into this discussion now because maybe it's a talk for another day, but in light of what we've seen from Chris Tanev this week with the shot block, <laughs> and, and in light of, like, I've had, there's two players now who have said he's the best teammate they've ever played with. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I don't think there's a guy in there who doesn't tell you like he is, op- he's the ultimate warrior. He's a leader. Um, boy, like he can, we can all learn a little bit about like, I think Manjapani said to me, like, 
it makes you look in the mirror or it was Dubé said that it makes you look in the mirror. Like if he's doing that, like, can I give a little more, you know? And I think these are all natural questions and, and inspirations from this guy. I know he turns 34 on December 20th, but I have a hard time thinking that they should trade Chris Tanev. I don't even care if you're doing a significant retool. I feel like you could get him uh, for a reasonable price. Uh, I know he's older, but even in a rebuild, and I know Craig Conroy subscribes to this theory, even in a rebuild, it's important to still keep mm-hmm. winning and being entertaining and moving along. You don't want a bad culture where you're, where you're tanking and, and, and it's all about losing. I just feel like, isn't, is there a better role model to put on an NHL team than a Chris Tanev? And even if he's, you know, he makes $4.5 million now, I don't know if he'd be looking for a raise. I guess he would. I guess everyone's looking for a raise. He'd also be probably looking for a lot of years. I don't know. But it all depends on what, you know, he's asking. But, man, if you could get him signed for a three- or four-year deal for, you know, for a reasonable price, wouldn't you want to consider keeping him here? I would. Um, now, there were – there's been a number – like, I know, I know Elliot has thrown it out there a few times. I know Rick Dollywell has thrown it out there in Vancouver. <laughs> he's pretty close with uh, the Tanev camp that the initial – offers were pretty far apart like the initial conversations flames were way over here and tanev was way over here so sounds like there is a bit of a bridge to be built and uh, a bridge to gap there um and i think what's interesting on that front is what is like there's a threshold there right in that what you could get for chris tanev is also I think really interesting to throw into the conversation. Like what would be better if you could get a haul for Tanev at the deadline, which I think, are you telling me that if, if tree in Toronto or another Dallas or another team is looking at being a cup contender and they feel like maybe they're missing a piece on the blue line, that Chris Tanev couldn't be that guy with the way he plays shutdown D on top of the the warrior stuff in the playoffs. I I just, I feel like, I feel like come deadline time, you could get maybe a return that would shock you on Chris Tanev because of how valued for good reason he is uh, around the league. So I think you need to take that into account in terms of what's best for the franchise because I don't think what you said is wrong. I do think there is some innate value in keeping a guy like that even if you are going in a younger, slightly different direction. But then you have to weigh what is more valuable, that or potentially what you could get for him in a trade. That, that, that would be a really interesting threshold to see where the Flames sit on that. Well, and they'll listen to all the offers. And in the meantime, we're going to have to listen to two months of trade rumor talks yeah. between the Leafs <laughs> and the Toronto media. Uh, and that, what, that's part of the game, I guess. And I, I love when you know people out there are saying, you know, there's interest in TANF by the Toronto Maple Leafs. There's interest in TANF by 16 teams minimum. So that's not really news if you ask me but it's toronto um, it, but it but it's toronto and it's sexy and it gets headlines and you know we, we've got a story up on Sportsnet about it about the leafs are the leafs in on tanev <laughs> and i've got news for people who you know it, it's a it's not happening anytime soon and b um I, I i man that's such an interesting one to him you know the potential of tree living uh swapping with conroy after all the years they worked together yeah. and uh, that's, there's just so many juicy things, but Hey, I know people love trade rumors and all, you know, I hate that stuff, but uh, people get it. People love it. 
and uh, and it's not going away anytime soon. And it's because he's that valuable a player. Now, last question: Is your first does he get your first rounder? Because we talked about Zadorov and how it was pie in the sky thinking for yeah. people to think that they could have got a first rounder. He's a number five defenseman in Calgary. I don't know what number you assigned Tanev because, you know, I know he's on the second pairing, but man, I think he's a could be a top pairing guy on a lot of teams in the National Hockey League. Like it, I, 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 is, I think he can get you a first rounder. That's not. I don't think that's delusional. I I don't think if it's you wait completely right up to the out of the question. I think I think you could do. Remember what Chris Russell got the Flames? There is that conditional first. They didn't end up getting a first, but there was that conditional first with all those conditions on it when he went to Dallas. I think you know you get it right up to the deadline. I think something like that could absolutely be in the conversation. Um, at the very least, I think you're getting a second plus for him if you wait that long. Uh, and I know that there's a lot of worry about, well, yeah, but his injury history and will, will he be healthy come that time? I get all that. I fully do. But, yeah, if you wait to the deadline franchise, uh, franchise, I, I, I think you – I don't think it's completely out of the question knowing how coveted he would be. Now, maybe we're – Maybe we're setting the team up for failure if they if they don't yeah. get that. But yeah, I, so I honestly believe that that is something that, that would not be completely surprising. I mean, as Craig said to you and he said to me when we spoke to him yesterday, you know, the, people aren't just throwing first-rounders around. You know, like there's, there just are no first-rounders getting thrown around right now. But it's early. That's why. And, uh, and people are covering picks even more and more. Remember last year, nobody wanted to trade first-rounders because it was such a strong draft. And uh, I, so, you know, we throw around, people throw around first round picks in our minds way too liberally. And here we go doing it again, even though I'm criticizing everybody who thought, but to me, let me put it to you this way. If it gets down to it and it's trade deadline and all you can get for Tanev is a third and a fifth, I don't trade him. I mean, I'm not saying that you just like Mike Camilleri route, Brian Burke. Yeah. I'm not saying you just let him walk into, I'm just saying that you work very hard at trying to sign him. Because I, I, and that's such an interesting debate. Just as I laid out earlier, I think this guy is an absolute role model for all NHLers. And when you're building a young team, you need guys like that in mm-hmm. your locker room to help them to quietly go about doing their business as the, as you know, a consummate pros, pro. pros. Yeah, yeah, a pros pro. Like he's just, I, I don't, I don't think there's anybody in hockey who doesn't just have the utmost respect for this guy. He's not flashy. But he gets the job done, you know, more so than most defensemen in the league. Uh, It's uh, Francis and Steinberg along with you. We are underway. It's a Friday, which means it's the Eric Francis Hour. And, boy, the Flames have given us a ton to talk about on this Friday's Eric Francis Hour. The Eric Francis Hour brought to you by our friends at Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has an $83 million positive economic impact in Calgary annually visit the horses.com 18 plus please play responsibly flames talk is on the air and streaming on the sportsnet mobile app sportsnet 960 the fan calgary rolling on on this friday steinberg and eric francis it's the eric francis hour for horse racing alberta eric with us from sportsnet and sportsnet.ca as well it was pretty cool to see uh, Oliver Shillington skating with the team on Friday. Hey, that was uh, an unexpected but very, very pleasant surprise. Um, we know that there's no timeline, Francis. We know there's nothing coming imminently. We don't even know what the next steps are. The, the Flames aren't 
coming into this with any expectations. There are no expectations in terms of what comes next. But just to see him for the first time in so long, skating with a few teammates and and coming back. We, we saw him at the Saddle Dome. They were skating at Max Bell. They came back to the Dome, and Oliver just walked past us with his sticks, and you're just like, man, that was cool. And he had a big smile on his face. It was it was just yeah. neat to see him come back to the dome, go back into the Flames locker room, and, and look like one of the boys. That was that was uh, that was a super pleasant surprise. And I love that, you know, no matter how many questions are asked, these guys are not going to make put any deadlines, not any timelines. And nor should this they. is just a guy who happened to come out and skate today. Yeah, it's momentous in a lot of our eyes, and hopefully he saw it as a as a very positive step. And hopefully we see him back on the ice real soon, if not tomorrow morning or, or whenever the case may be. But uh, you're right. This is, like I said earlier, this is a human being who are just, we all have such sympathy for people who are dealing with uh, with uh, their mental health problems and, uh, and, and, and his, are, his are significant. I mean, it's caused him to pause, you know, a professional hockey career for over a year. So uh, I, I love that he was there um, and, 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 the players, you could even tell when they were asked about it, they yeah. didn't want to put any sort of parameters on it either. All they wanted to do was say, hey, it's great that he was there. And it's funny because at one point, Backlund was asked, like, what's your message as the captain to this guy? And that's a tough kind of question to ask the, the captain um, in a delicate situation like this. But I, I think the easy answer uh, is uh, I'm here. Like, we're all here for you. It, you know, I'm not talking about us in the media. I'm talking about, like, his teammates – those guys are all there for him, for whatever he may need or want, or if there's anything he wants to talk about, I doubt it, but you never know. But just to let him know, you know, we love you, man, you're part of this group, Whether you, I, we know you haven't been here. I thought it was really heartening to see that, yeah. you know, Backlund was saying that he'd had him over in preseason uh, for dinner and that he'd had spoken to him on the phone many times over this, this little while, and, and they text and it's good that there's been this communication. And again, it's just a constant reminder. Hey, man, we're here. We're here for you. And uh, we hope to see you again because you're part of this. It's, um, yeah, it was, it was super neat to see. And, and I, also, I also think, Francis, there's, there's a lot of gratitude from the Shillington side as well in terms of how the Flames have handled this. They've given him, they, they've given him time. They've given him space. They've given, like, they, I, I think when it's all said and done, I think that we look back and say, you know, there people can say on the outside, well, I mean, he's been paid his entire two and a half million dollar salary. How is that fair? Like, it doesn't affect you in the slightest. Uh, let, let the Flames do what they're doing with their money, and if they want to be uh, empathetic and supportive and give a guy who's going through hell uh, all the time in the world, that's their prerogative. It doesn't affect you in the slight. You don't need you don't need the details. You don't need uh, you don't need Oliver's contract to be voided. It literally does not affect your life. And I think when it's all said and done, I think this is going to be a, a real good lesson in terms of how a professional sports organization can deal with uh, a person going through real-life struggles, real mental health struggles that are difficult and hellish. And I, I just I think there's a lot of gratitude on the Shillington side in terms of how the Flames have gone about it. And the guy wants to – he has not left Calgary. He has been here since September, and has he wants to try to resume his career. He wants to try to get back on the ice, but he also – wants to be ready for it. And I just I think it's I, I think it's just been handled in a really good fashion all across the board, which is why 
I'm super excited to see him back. And it would be awesome if at some point he fully rejoins the team and comes off of LTIR and, and goes to the Wranglers on a conditioning stint and rejoins the team for an NHL regular season game this year. That would be awesome if it happens because it would mean that he's ready to do it, right? And that would be the most important thing. And, oh, also, it would be huge for the team. We all get that. But it just, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's really, I, I just think it's a lesson in terms of, hey, you know what? Pro sports teams can deal with things properly. And I think the Flames have dealt with this all along the way the, in the correct fashion. And sports has come such a long way, you know, with the help of people like, oh, Lord, I could, it's a long list. Sheldon Kennedy, uh, you know, Kelly Rudy's done his part to talk about yeah, mental health. 100%. Just to, to, to kind of erase the stigma of it. And, and sports has come such a long way in that to the point where instead of people just going, Oh, get your head on straight. You know, uh, we're paying you a lot of money. You should be here. I don't, I haven't heard that from anybody. And I know from talking to Brad tree living about Shillington last year and through all this, you know, uh, there was nothing but just, Hey, if this young man needs space and time, that's what we're going to give him. We're going to give him whatever he needs. Uh, not because he's a valuable hockey player. That's part of it for sure. But because he's part of our group and, uh, and he's a human being that we care a lot about. So there's a lot on the line. That's probably what is part of the anxiety that, that comes with this for Shillington. But uh, at the end of the day, it was a big step today. And yep. uh, I, hope, I hope that wherever he is right now, he's feeling good about what happened today and feeling like tomorrow he can take another step. That, that's all we can hope for. You know what? If it's tomorrow or if it's two weeks from now or a month sure. from now, yeah. like that, yeah. whatever, right? It would be... And and yet at the same time you can't you can't help as a fan or you can't help as as an observer like you or me to be like geez what how how good would that be if he did return right like you can't mm-hmm. help but going down that road and that's fine but just as long as you're okay with the fact that it's not going to happen on the Eric Francis timeline or the Pat timeline or the fan timeline the, like the, it's not a necessarily linear process. But yeah, I, I don't think it's completely out of bounds either to be like, oh boy, how good would it be if Shillington was able to return and come back with them? And and yes, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself, but also that would be pretty exciting. Well, didn't didn't a lot of people say yesterday when they traded Zadorov, boy, it would be good if if the Flames had had Shillington. You know, like I heard that from a couple of people, like, oh man, th- this is a time when you could really use the depth of a guy like Shillington. So that you know you're not going to skip a beat uh, by losing Zadorov for draft picks. So, um, you know, a bit ironic that the next day, there he was. I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming, you know. <laughs> uh, they obviously knew about it yesterday, as, as uh, Backlund had suggested. But nobody uh, nobody uh, kind of hinted it towards it, obviously. And and nor should they. This is, again, this is such a personal thing. And, and I think the media has been good, too. I'm not trying to take any of us to take credit for it, but, like, I don't think the pressure's there from society or from the media. You know, he didn't talk today, and nobody's saying, oh, you should talk. He's an NHL or it's his, it's his duty. It, it's actually in the CBA where they should be made available yeah. after every practice. Like, come on, nobody's doing that. The, when or if this guy is going to talk, um, it'll be on his to own, own time too, not because everybody's clamoring to hear what he has to say. Uh, he's probably not looking forward to that day. And uh, and I know that if or when that day comes um, – I'm pretty damn sure that the group in Calgary here is going to be really, really respectful about it and not push him to go to any place he doesn't want to go to, nor will he go there. So it's great. It, 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 there's a, a very welcoming 
inviting environment waiting for him. And I'm sure that's part of the process where, you know, he had to be convinced of that um, because I'm sure deep down he's worried that he feels uh, he wonders if maybe he let down his teammates. And that's a that's crazy. That's not the kind of that's not the mentality. And I shouldn't use the word crazy, but that's not the mentality anybody has here that he really let us down last year. That's not looking at it at all. Guys just have nothing but sympathy for him in that room. Um, awesome to see Oliver back. Let's, uh, let's close it out on the Francis hour with how we started, Eric. And that's just on the overall, um, on, on the overall turnaround this team has had, uh, you, you talked about it off the top, how with all the distractions and how poor the month of October was and how it looked like this thing was going a certain direction. And instead it's, it's turned around dramatically. They're back to 500. They're back into a playoff race. Uh, and they look like a much, much, much more difficult to t- team to play against over the last month, as opposed to October. It, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the next number of months has in store. I don't know what the next 59 games have in store, but, you got to give them credit for what they've been able to accomplish, and I don't know how many people saw it turning around as dramatically as we've seen it. No, but remember, I remember when there the was sky six is not falling. Remember what I, I, I was? Yep. I'm not again. I'm not saying I called this. God, I've never saw this turn around <laughs> dramatically. But I did say to you, just having covered this team for so many years, there's so many times where it feels like the sun's not going to rise the next day. And, and, and this is going to happen and this, then they're going to have to do this. Then they're going to have to do this. And then this guy's going to, they're going to have to buy out this guy and this. And it, and the only thing I had said to that at that point was it's never as bad as you think. And, and that's kind of where it's gone, but the reverse has been phenomenal. And I give these guys endless credit for it. Resilience is to me, one of the most admirable traits in a human being, like someone who can bounce back from getting dealt, you know, a tough hand. And these guys, you know, and you could say they did it to themselves early on, but either at the end of the day, they were really, really behind the eight ball. And in a lot of games, they've been behind the eight ball. Five comebacks in the third period this year for wins. They had two all of last season. I mean, we're now we're at that point. I think people can admit it that where they were watching that game last night, and there was this overwhelming feeling that they were going to score the goal to tie it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And I'm now when it gets to overtime, I still don't think we're there where there's an overwhelming feeling that they're going to score. That's good. That's good. Doesn't, that, doesn't even that feel like it's they've won their last three overtime games. I know. I know. Which is crazy considering, again, I shouldn't use that word, but it's wild considering where they were last year. Um, and, and, but it's again, the in game, in season, resilience is the word that will describe this team for the first uh, quarter of the season. And, uh, but I, I love that Ryan Huska just keeps reminding everyone, yeah, well, now the trick is to keep doing it, whether it's the rookies continuing to prove that they belong to here or whether it's this team proving that uh, they're better than everybody thought the first 10 games in. Uh, they've got to keep hammering away at this. And, and again, look at the opponents they're doing it against. That, to me, is the most impressive thing. When I looked ahead and said for the next 10, 20 games, yeah. it's going to be one of the most pivotal pivotal. 20 game segments in in franchise recent franchise lore i said but at the end of it they play five in a row against absolute western juggernauts and that could be really that could be really scary it hasn't been scary at all they're three and one right now and the one loss in colorado was on a back-to-back night against a, a you know a great team and they played really really well so and endless marks to this team I will see you Saturday morning, my friend. Um, 
I guess we'll be sticking around for Canucks media availability, hey? You, me, and Z. That'll be the name of our little show tomorrow. You, me, and Z. I like that. Uh, you, me, and Z makes three. Um, <laughs> bye, buddy. Uh, great stuff. You, awesome as Thank always, you. franchise. Love you, buddy. Uh, that'll do it for the Eric Francis Hour. Eric's on Twitter. Very original handle, at Eric Francis. Uh, Eric Francis from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. As we start to wrap up this hour of Flames Talk, Cam and Taylor have been our producers. And the Eric Francis Hour brought to you by the fine folks at Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has an $83 million positive economic impact in Calgary annually. Visit thehorses.com, 18+. plus. Please play responsibly.